Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. We somehow lost. Oh, there it is. The print of the legends and got some football scarves behind ourselves. That must mean there's some soccer stuff going on around here. It's also, though, not just football talk. We got football talk. Welcome in. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Uh, sorry if you saw me trying to clean up the mess right when we got on the show. I somehow dropped my entire coffee slash protein shake uh, onto the ground and uh, we're on live TV now for the next 25 minutes, so I don't really have a solution uh, to clean that up, nor do I have my uh, delicious and quite expensive elixir to drink, but uh, good start to the show. It's going to be a fun show, though, because we have a ton of stuff to get to today. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, you can always uh, watch Nuanas Now on SWX Montana Television, stream it on the ESPN Montana app, and, of course, listen here at ESPN Radio 1029 FM in Missoula and around Western Montana or on the station website, 1029ESPN.com. If you want to be a part of this show, we're going to talk some fun stuff today. And so if you have any questions or comments or you want to be a part of the conversation, shoot us some texts, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests will join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. And remember that because uh, we're, we're going to have a lot of engagements throughout this. But keep them coming. Keep the text rolling in. We're going to keep doing our best and worst case scenarios for Montana and Montana State. We went to the Big Sky kickoff in Spokane Sunday and Monday. Now we're back. We're into football mode. 
Uh, great story by Andrew Houghton. We have our Around the Big Sky, or I guess our uh, Big Sky Figures to Remember is what we're calling it at SkylineSportsMT.com, where we're remembering some of the best players in the history of the Big Sky Conference in a variety of different sports. I got the series launched a while ago uh, with a collection of Big Sky standouts, and uh, we've added to it a little bit, but we're going to make a better effort to add to it more often because they're really fun stories to research, really fun to write, and I, I think, I'm assuming for you guys, really fun to read. Andrew had one about Jared Allen, one of the 14 inaugural members inducted in the Big Sky Conference a Hall of Fame. we got a ton of stuff coming up at SkylineSportsMT.com, and we're all the way sprinting now with our football coverage. So we'll cut, talk best and worst case for the Cats and the Grizz, plus pick some of their games. Not pick, but uh, give you some leans when it comes to each one's schedule. How's it going to play out before that collision, uh, the, the rivalry clash November 19th in Bozeman? We also have a few commits for the Montana State Bobcats recently, and now they have uh, almost a handful at MSU for the class of 2023. They got themselves a new quarterback. He hails from Oklahoma. If he, in fact, signs, Chance Wilson will be only the third player ever from Oklahoma to play at Montana State. Uh, They also have a a Bozeman offensive lineman that just committed today. Not as many commits for the Montana side of things. Not that surprising, though. That's kind of how this goes. Uh, a wider swath with their recruiting net for MSU. A lot of times more offers out there. And maybe a little bit broader or, or I guess, more expansive geographic footprint. Uh, whereas Montana, I, I don't want to say slow play. I, I think that they they target and they uh, focus heavily on a, a select amount of guys. And... Uh, they usually, I mean, more often than not, they get them. So we'll have a little analysis on recruiting. Like it is every Wednesday, it is a wing it Wednesday. No wings for you today. We'll get back to the wings next month. But we do have some uh, great history lessons, courtesy of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we will check out one of my favorite books. Hour number two, since it is a Wednesday, that means we have our ESPN roundtable for you this week. Big swingers, I mean, this is we're going to hear from them all the time, but it is always fun when you get a little one-on-one time with the head football coaches here uh, at the, in the Big Sky Conference of the state of Montana. We'll hear from Bobby Houck of the Montana Grizzlies, Brent Vegan of the Montana State Bobcats. I got to tell you, anybody that follows along knows, you know that I've been very enthusiastic about Mon- the trajectory of Montana football uh, since the return of Bobby Houck. You also know that I was very enthusiastic about the trajectory of Bobcat football uh, under Jeff Choate. And so I think that uh, those two guys, if they would have been peer alphas in the Big Sky Conference, it would have been fascinating. And they, they were for a brief moment in time, you know, the 2018-2019, two seasons where those two guys were each in the league and each battling for in-state supremacy. When Choate left... Uh, I thought that was going to be nothing but advantageous for the Grizzlies. And if you talk about the rivalry game, I think it was, at least in the one-year sample size we have. I mean, 29-10 doesn't lie. The Grizz definitely led the smackdown on the Bobcats this last year. But it hasn't had as big of a uh, of an impact negatively on Montana State. In fact, it hasn't had any negative impact at all. Brent Vegan has done a phenomenal job at MSU from the Cackers game lost to then bouncing back for three straight wins in the playoffs, only the second road FCS playoff victory by a um, Montana school ever. Only Montana had ever won at James Madison one time. The first road win 
in the playoffs in FCS history for the Cats when they won at Sam Houston. So Brett Vegan's done a great job so far. One-year sample size, but he's done a good job. And aside from that rivalry game, it hasn't been uh, such an advantage for the Grizzlies for Jeff Choate, the self-proclaimed and heralded Grizzly slayer, to move on. So I do think it's a fun, interesting dichotomy between these two head coaches. And always fun to play interviews by them, especially when you can play them back-to-back, because I do think that they're distinctly different guys. I do think they're both very confident. I think they're very confident in their teams. And these were fun conversations. These are really good interviews. So very excited uh, to share these with you uh, at the top of the hour. And then, of course, with football upon us, we'll have some NFL uh, blindsides as well uh, a little later on in the show. So there you go. That's your show outlook. It's presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. Wahlberg team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any Real estate questions you may have in Western Montana. Give Brent and his team a call today. Again, 1029 ESPN Missoula for your radio frequency, SWX Montana Television for your television frequency, or the ESPN Montana app available on all your various app stores. You can also always stream the show, 1029ESPN.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. And uh, I'll guess will join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone, line, RV phone line. You can call or text that line uh, anytime uh, between now. I, I mean, anytime ever, but, but between 4 and 6, it gets you a good chance of getting uh, a, to be a part of the conversation here uh, on Nuanas Now. Now, Andrew, I want to ask you something before we get talking Big Sky Conference football. Yesterday, very fun to have Justin Angle in the studio. He... he even though Justin's become a great uh, contributor here uh, on ESPN Radio, a great colleague, and a great friend of mine, I, I very much enjoy seeing Justin. I see him just twice a month, and usually only for about 45 minutes, but I thoroughly enjoy it every time. I think he's such a smart and thoughtful guy, uh, such a great asset to the University of Montana in his business professor role, and he has really settled in as such a great business analyst for us here uh, when it comes to the overlay between business and sports. One thing we talked about yesterday, though, was the Kyler Murray contract, specifically some of the clauses in it. You uh, seem to know a little bit about the contract because you were giving us good insight, texting it to us, uh, just about some of these um, digital monitoring clauses within this contract. So first of all, what do you think of this deal? Second of all, is it as unusual as it seems, or where are we at just with some of the language in here and some of the expectations for uh, Arizona's new quarter-billion-dollar man? Well, I think it is a little bit surprising. It's a bit shocking to see that included in the contract. Now, I mean, with NFL teams these days, what I understand is that, you know, playbooks, which is an actual book or an actual binder, is a thing of the past. These things are all on iPads. These iPads are team-issued. They can monitor those anyway. I mean, they could see if Kyler Murray wasn't doing his studying, wasn't watching film, whatever. That's fine. The issue is to have it now stipulated in the contract, and then not only that, to have that contract clause leaked out and put in the media. I mean, who you think about who's leaking that? Are they trying to light a fire under Kyler Murray? Are they trying to uh, you know paint Kyler Murray as a little bit of an immature guy who doesn't do his homework? Are they trying to paint the Cardinals as, as worried about Kyler Murray? Like, do, don't don't you see? I don't even know if irony is the right word, but don't you see sort of the peculiarity in 
on one hand, you're right. It, it, there is an implied thing here, or at least a, a, a one of the options is that the Cardinals just think Kyler Murray is immature. Isn't there a dichotomy there with giving the guy two hundred and fifty something million dollars? Well, that's why it's so weird to have this con- this clause in a contract where you're giving him some of the most gear, some of the biggest money in the history of the NFL, and and that's why it's weird, and that's why everybody's talking about it. I mean. Kyler Murray is a guy who's talked about, you know, I just go out there and see things. I'm not watching film for hours and hours a day. Apparently, that's something the Cardinals feel that they need to to mandate. But they were also sort of, you know, they've been stuck in this situation with Kyler Murray, right? Like, what are they going to do, not pay him? That's right. That That's right. I mean, number one overall pick, unbelievably popular player. I mean, a huge following among NFL fans. Not not saying they're all Cardinals fans, but there's a lot of Kyler Murray fans out there. You know, like, I mean, the easiest way to say he's got a lot of street cred. He's very much like Kyrie Irving in that, where the, regardless of what the, the sort of court of public opinion influenced by the media analysts out there is, a lot of the, the everyday man really likes electric talents like Kyler Murray. So they kind of have been uh, trapped here. It's just It's interesting because... You could also say it's a vote of faith by the Cardinals. Like, hey, we're willing to invest this much money in you and give you this much guaranteed coin. We just want you to grow up a little bit, but we believe that you will. That's why we're giving you this. Well, I think that's what it is, but that's why I think it's not in the... It Clearly, it's not in the team's best interest. I don't think it's in Kyler Murray's best interest either to have that clause be public knowledge. True. And it's interesting, too, because I am always a gigantic proponent for... The freedom of public information, and particularly when it comes to contract stuff. But most of the contract stuff we are dealing with in our journalism roles at Skyline Sports, as well as uh, here at ESPN Radio, are contracts of college employees, of university employees, that's state employees. That is public information. That should be public information. This is voter tax dollars, essentially, that's being used on at least part of the funding and salaries of these people. So that should be public information. Maybe NFL uh, contracts shouldn't be because it is a, a private business. I don't know. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Hope you're having a phenomenal Wednesday. Jack Weatherman told me right at 4 o'clock, 97 the high. He said it was going to feel like 100, though. So it is hot, hot here uh, in the Garden City. And I know it's been a hot summer around the Treasure State as well. And now here we are. Closing in on it. Next weekend is when fall camp starts for both Montana and Montana State. Fall camp objectively different than it used to be. You have no more double days. You can have double get-togethers, you know, with in between the meetings, the practices, the walkthroughs. You can return to the field for an afternoon session. It just can't be a full practice. They also have these multiple acclimation days leading up to it. So when the Grizz open fall camp, for example, next Friday, they're not they're not actually gonna be uh, on the practice field until the following week. So uh, if you're one of those Missoulians like to go check it out and watch, um, you have to wait till next week. Montana State haven't gotten their full spring uh, schedule hammered out yet, but uh, probably a similar timeline. Both these teams open uh, at home September 3rd. I'm actually going to be able to, I believe, get to both games. I'm going to be here in Missoula. I will have our first ESPN College Game Day pregame show for a couple hours before kickoff. Broadcasting there once again. I think this is maybe like eight years in a row. 
Five years in a row, certainly for me, uh, with my history here at ESPN Radio, that will be coming to you live from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot here in Missoula, just adjacent to the walking bridge there, um, right next to campus. And a ton of great sponsors for you. It's going to be a really fun party again this year. All sorts of drinks and games and food and snacks, memorabilia, apparel, all that sort of stuff. Plus, great analysis leading up to Montana's uh, home football slate. But also, the Bobcats open that evening, so I'll be able to go over there and uh, check out their home opener, Gold Rush style. So, rare day. Get to watch both the Grizz and the Cats in the same day. It will be a good day uh, when that day rolls around. But we will continue talking about some of the lead up to all of this, expectations, key storylines, and how about best and worst case scenarios head into the 2022 season for Montana and Montana State. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, we got derailed on some topics because, of course, that's what we do. But I want to continue down this road. Andrew, one point yesterday that I didn't get a chance to make as heavily as I wanted to make today is that I think Montana's be very good. We at Skyline Sports voted Montana to win the Big Sky Conference. I think they have uh, so many veteran players that are so familiar with the defensive scheme, particularly that they run, that's so unorthodox. I do think they had some big losses in the offseason, whether you're talking about Brian Buschini, the outstanding punter, graduate transferring to, or not graduate transferring, just straight up transferring, entering the portal, going to Nebraska. Uh, sorry, I got my words confused there with Samari Torre, who also uh, transferred from Montana to Nebraska, graduate transfer. But, you know, a punter is a big deal in Bobby Howick's system. They also need to replace a kicker. But they've brought in so many different options to do that. So I think they will find an answer for pretty much all of their holes. That said, one of the things, and again, this all comes with the caveat. We're talking about best and worst case scenarios. There are uh, some things you can't predict. Injuries. But the other thing is sometimes it's tough to speculate about potential and future um, divides in teams, and I'm not speculating that at all. I'm not saying this is something that's coming. All I'm saying is just being around football teams, playing on football teams, being around football teams, if one side of the ball is significantly better than the other side of the ball, that can brew some resentment. You're competing against each other every day in practice. You, know, you, want, you want to bring it every single day. But when the defense is just going three and out all the time and then the offense can't get a first down, the defense is just getting worn out, and they're like, what else can we do? That can be a thing that really gets festered. I think we saw it last year with Montana a little bit, especially in the, the heart of October when senior quarterback Cam Humphrey was out and freshman quarterback uh, Chris Brown was the starter. So I'm not saying that this is going to happen. All I'm saying is if the – Defense is ridiculous. The special teams isn't lights out, and the offense struggles. That's a weird position to be in for Montana. I think that's one of the only things that could incur the momentum that they're really, really trying to build. That's what this season, it seems like, is a primary narrative, the the desire to build momentum. That's one of the only things I can see getting in the way is just lopsided between the two sides of the ball. Sure, it has the potential to work the other way too, though, right? I mean, it, it, there's... Nobody's ever suggested that an us-against-the-world sort of mentality is a bad thing, particularly, I think, for Montana's defense. Um, maybe that happens and the offense isn't picking up their end of the weight and the, the defense just, just buckles down more and goes full us-against-the-world and, and it works out motivationally for everybody. I, I do think that's why the specialist part is a key. Sure. They, I truly think, and this is not just me trying to be cute or me taking the low-hanging fruit, I think the most important player 
that Montana lost that they need to replace is Matt O'Donohue. Matt O'Donohue was a perfect long snapper. He was perfect as the starting long snapper for the Grizzlies over the last couple years. That's why he was a first-team All-American. He's objectively one of the great long snappers I've seen and covered in his consistency. So, you never thought about him. You never want to think about him. You know, if you want to play the style Montana wants to play, pressure all the time, breathing down your neck, punishing the quarterback relentlessly, you got to have depth. They got it. And you got to be able to completely and utterly dominate the special teams and the field position game. They did that last year. They still have the coverage guys to do that this year. But uh, do they have the guy to flip the field like they did a year ago? I mean, Bushini is one of the best punters we've seen. So uh, that was a huge weapon last year for the Grizz. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to watch. I guess what I would ask Coulter is talking about worst and best case scenarios here. What do we think that it is going into that Montana State game? Like in terms of uh, in terms of wins, well, or really in terms of losses? First of all, I must say, uh, my journalism professors would be so mad. Uh, I can hear Carol Van Valkenburg screaming. We used to tease about Carol's red pen. She was the advisor of the Montana Cayman, and, and she wielded her red pen with... Uh, with quite the scrutiny back when we were at the student newspaper. But she always used to yell at us if we buried the lead. We must say, if we're talking about Grizz and Bobcat football, I have been putting the finishing touches on a story about the big news in Grizz Nation today. Marcus Weldell, Helena Capital product, senior linebacker for the Grizz, an All-Big Sky selection a year ago, third team uh, All-Big Sky last year as a junior for Weldell. He is now the the new number 37. So Jace Lewis, a Townsend native, bestows the uh, legacy jersey on Marcus Wellnell. So congratulations to him. Maybe we'll have some more talk about that uh, coming up in, in just a minute. But uh, let's just do this, Andrew. I wanted to do this today. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Producer Andrew Houghton joining us here uh, on the show talking best and worst case scenarios for both Montana and Montana State. We're on the Grizzlies right now. Uh, so let's just go through this real quickly. We don't have to necessarily give you the analysis of this and that and the other thing. Let's just go quickly, just off the top of your head, what do you think? September's third, home game, Northwestern State. Win. Grizz win. September 10th, a a South Dakota State team that's getting a little juice uh, in the regional and national media. That's their toughest non-conference game. It is for sure. Uh, You know, South Dakota's projected as a, uh, a top five or six team in the Missouri Valley. You might say, well, what's the... What's to sneeze at about that? Well, if you finish fifth in the Missouri Valley, you're going to make the playoffs probably. So potential playoff team in South Dakota coming to Washington Grizz, I'm still saying win. You agree? Yeah. Indiana State on the road, Terre Haute. Indiana State's been okay in recent years. Uh, They have not been good since the pandemic. I I think that's a road win for the Grizzlies 3-0 going to conference play. I think that's right. Portland's – and this is even – these results are even considering – what I think is still unanswered question marks for Montana. I still think they need to find uh, one more offensive lineman to fortify their depth. I think that they need Patrick Rohrbach, the freshman from Kalispell Glacier, to hit at punter. I think they need one of the transfers they're bringing in to hit at kicker. They need to find a reliable long snapper, and they need Lucas Johnson to be good. But even if all those things are undefined or maybes or Anything but resounding yeses, I still think the Grizz get to that point of their schedule a 3-0. Portland State coming to town for homecoming, I'm saying it's a win. Yeah. At Idaho State, win. Home versus Idaho, win. 
So they got sacks, and I'm, I'm thinking they're. I, I'm thinking the Grizz, even if all those question marks are in the gray area, still, I still think that they're likely getting to six and zero. Is there any of those teams that could beat them uh, if the question marks we're talking about are glaring? I think we talked about that challenge of that Portland State team coming to town yeah, yesterday. I mean, I mean, because who's the best defensive end in the league? VJ Malo. That's right, and and he is a senior. He's a grown man. He's a former junior college guy. He's played a ton of football. He is. Big, strong, and mean, and he's the returning sack leader in the Big Sky Conference. So if they do have a, a deficit there at one of the tackle spots, you're right, that could be a tough matchup. But you're right. I think they are almost certainly 6-0 and unless all of those things go wrong and a couple more besides. I mean, I think even if the Grizz don't look great those first games, I mean, they're oh, going to yeah. be favored by double digits in, in all of those games. And, and that's where Bobby Houck's strength, one of his strengths as a coach comes in. What you just said is exactly right. They might not look great in some of those games. But if they can figure out a way to win and then they believe in Coach Houck's notion that the most important part of finding or the most important part of winning is finding a way to do it, if they repeat mastering that accomplishment, then boom, now you have a lot of confidence and then you can maybe take that momentum into what I think is the defining stretch of their season at Sac State, at Weber State to end October. Yeah, I think the thing that matters for Montana in that first stretch of six games is just finding something that works on offense. If you have something that you can hang your hat on, you're going to end up scoring, you know, over 20 points a game, and that'll win you all those games because of the the defense. This Sac State-Weber State stretch, I think they're going to drop one of them. Sure. I'm not sure which one it's going to be. Well, I think think if they they went to Sacramento and got a, a statement win... And then they had a letdown the next week against Weber State. I don't think that really does much to the narrative of your season. I think that would sort of be the assumed order of operation. And I th- if I had I, to pick one, I think that's the way it's going to go. I think so, too. I think that the, when we're talking about the, the worst-case scenarios for the Grizz, though, is if they're 6-0, and they go to Sacramento State, and they get they get whipped. Oh, maybe, maybe we're not as close to being back as we thought. Maybe we're not the big dogs that we thought we were. Then that makes the Weber game, especially considering, depending on where Weber's at, makes that a huge game as well. But either way, okay, so let's say say they get whipped at sack and then they lose at Weber. Okay, that's that's worst-case scenario. Yep. They come home and they beat Cal Poly under the lights. Yep. Then they got Eastern Washington on their final home game. Uh, There's a variety of opinions of what Eastern Washington's going to be this year. Regardless of what they're going to be, they're not going to come in here and win on Senior Day in Missoula, I don't think. And so you're still sitting there as a two-loss team, eight and two, going into the Bobcat game. And you think that's worst-case scenario? Well, worst-case scenario is they have some injuries or you have some uh, infightings. And you get blown out by Eastern Washington at home and limp into the Cat game and then need to win the Cat game to for sure go to the playoffs. Right. That's the worst-case scenario. Yeah, I, I think mean, the worst-case scenario is getting blown out at home by South Dakota State on September 10th, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I think when the Grizz are healthy, I think what you said, when they're at full strength and nobody's nicked up yet, the first two or three games, which, I mean, you never know when a guy could get nicked up, but they have so many dudes on defense, I think they're just going to suffocate teams. I think they're really going to just, just annihilate teams defensively when they have their full barrage of, especially guys in the secondary. Like, if they really play six corners in the non-conference and just roll guys, 
they're, they're going to be really, really, really good on defense. I agree with you about their depth. I also agree with you that that's a really, really difficult game for Eastern Washington yes. to come in there. Senior Day, Military Appreciation Day. And Eastern's almost certainly going to have their backs to the wall, given their schedule. More on that in a second, but carry on. And the memories of last year's playoff game? For sure. Uh, I think that's going to be a great, great crowd for Montana. Always is. I mean, it'll be a phenomenal crowd. The other thing is... Well, but it'll you, be a couple levels above you, it hosting will, Cal Poly the week before. Oh, you know, well, it'll for be... Sure, well, for sure, because we already know why. Not only is it a regional rivalry, not only is there bad blood, but you know that Eastern Washington will shoot their mouth off before that game. Sure. You know... If their backs, Which I love. If their backs are against the wall, Aaron Best and his boys are going to be like, hey, we'd rather be in no better place than going to Missoula to knock off the Grizzlies to go to the playoffs, right? And also, for as much of a hype master as Bobby Houck is not, what's the one he always takes the bait for? I mean, he's never going to be the court jester that Aaron Best is, you know, or Jeff Choate, where they're just strumming, you know, maestroing the media to build up these narratives. But... Bobby Houck always has some terse words for for uh, Eastern Washington. And the only guy he ever would say anything, the only guy he would ever say, that guy's great last year, was Eric Berry. Other than that, it was the Eastern Washington Eagles. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that's going to be a really tough one for Eastern Washington. I think that the Grizz are probably looking at worst-case two losses going into that game. Now, as far as the other scenario... So, so we were both kind of in agreement that there's really no scenario where the Grizz missed the playoffs. There's a scenario, though, where the Cat-Grizz game, the final game of the year, is a very important game for Montana in terms of playoff security and playoff seeding. Yeah, I think I could see a scenario where that Montana State game is definitely to secure your seed, secure your buy. Yeah. Just a side note here. Nuana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, talking all things Big Sky Football. Andrew Houghton here with us. Also go check out the ESPN Montana app. Eastern Washington opens their schedule with a uh, actually much improved Tennessee State team. Okay, let's call it a win, though. Then they're at Oregon, loss, Montana State in town. Man, coin flip game. But, okay, you know, either way, market is a 50-50. At Florida, loss. At Weber State, likely loss. So there you're a best case 2-3 and three and more likely... Uh, one and four. Well, that's what I'm saying. That Montana State game is a huge game for them. It's huge. And then Eastern has Sac State in Cheney at Cal Poly, Portland State in Cheney. So let's say even if you you win the games that are coin flip games or whatever, you're still going to be, I don't know, let's say two and two, three and two. You're, you're four and two going to the Idaho game in league play, but those are your only four wins. So, I mean, you're ha- it's, it's going to be uphill sledding for Eastern for a long time just because they're almost certainly going to start their first five with a losing record. That could have an impact on their trip to Missoula as well. No doubt. It'll be interesting to see it play out and, and sort of hanging over this whole topic is we still don't know a lot about what Eastern Washington's going to look like. Or actually, we know exactly what they're going to look like in terms of uh, the style that they play and what they're good at and what they're not so good at. We just don't know what their level is going to be. More best and worst case scenarios for Montana, Montana State. Of course, we got rambling, so we didn't even get to the Bobcats, but we will. We'll also talk more about Montana's new number 37, the legacy jersey passed down from a Townsend product to a Helena Capital boy, plus some new recruits for both Montana State and Montana, where we had the the in-state and out-of-state recruiting, uh, I don't even want to call it battle, ongoing, never-ending war. We'll talk all things Big Sky Football next. Keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio.
Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm, when it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. First of all, one of the... uh, Secondary benefits of hitting up the the spin classes at the Hype House, which is the spin studio I go to, is just the sick music. And one of my favorite teachers, my girl Lauren, who I I took her class uh, uh, over my lunch hour, she uh, always has the good jams. And she was playing that Nelly song today, a remix of it. But I was uh, was thinking, man, I get a lot of my music from this place. It keeps you young. It's always fun keeping up with the, uh, the, the trends in music. And uh, love that place. Keeps me, keeps me steady. Secondly, it's Noah's Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Uh, and remember when we were in Spokane uh, a couple days ago, we were listening to ESPN Radio on one of our various just little drives through town. I can't remember which part of the time we were going somewhere, to and from somewhere just for a minute, though. And they were talking about Julio Rodriguez, who's the outstanding player uh, for the Seattle Mariners, and put on just an unbelievable show in the Major League Baseball home run derby over the All-Star break, but how he had had sort of an ailing wrist and how this was maybe a bad idea for him to do the uh, the home run derby. Did you see the home run he hit today? I did not. I uh, just received the message. Uh, we have a lot of baseball tweets in our um, thread with myself and uh, Bill Lambert, Montana State Sports Information, probably the biggest baseball guy that we know. There's a lot, Actually, we have a lot of big – actually, most of our guys around the league are, are Huge baseball, baseball guys. guys. Yeah, I mean, Rainey's a big baseball guy. Riley Corcoran's a big baseball guy. But we have a thread with a lot of baseball stuff. Uh, Julio Rodriguez put one in the upper deck, so I, uh, <laughs> I think his wrist is just fine. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in here on your Wednesday. Uh, top of the hour, fun ESPN roundtable coming up for you. Actually, not even really fun, more like a serious one, but it's it's good one. It's a, it's good interviews from the Big Sky kickoff. Brent Vegan, Montana State, Bobby Houck, Montana, uh, upcoming uh, here. For, uh, so stay tuned for that. Also, if you want to know more about the news of the day, Marcus Wellnell, a Helena native, a recent guest uh, of this show. And a senior linebacker for the Montana Grizzlies, he is the newest, number 37 at Montana. The 16th guy to wear the jersey overall since Craig Paulson started the tradition uh, way back in 1986. Well, also, the fifth guy from Helena to wear the uh, number 37 jersey. 
That's the most of any of the towns in Montana. So pretty cool. Without looking, Andrew, can you name the other four number 37s from Helena? Absolutely not. Okay. So the 37s from Helena, Caleb Kidder wore the jersey, uh, 2000, I believe, 15 and 16. Um, Andy Pedic also wore the jersey uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. He received the jersey uh, from Jason Crebo. And then also Ryan Featherston was number 37. Uh, there in the early 2010s as well. So uh, several Helena High guys there, but now a Helena Capital guy, Marcus Weldale, wearing the number 37 jersey. It was an interesting, this is sort of a, uh, it's a fun thing to follow. It's a fun thing for the fans to sort of appreciate the tradition and lineage of it. For those of you out there listening that don't know about how this works, Number 37 has to – it's actually not stipulated in the rule that it has to go to a defensive player. It's been worn by 15 defensive players and one offensive player. Craig Paulson, famously a fullback out of Plentywood, Montana. But then he gave it to Tim Houck, and it stayed on the defensive side of the ball since then. Um, but it's always fun to follow because it's it goes to a kid from Montana that best represents you know the, the, the pride and tradition of the Montana Grizzlies. And – the guy who wore the jersey last is the guy that gets to pass the jersey on next. This year, several worthy candidates. I, I knew that Wellnell's name was in the mix. I think a lot of people, though, thought that Jace Lewis, last year's number 37, would hand this thing down to Patrick O'Connell, who's the big sky uh, defensive player of the year in the preseason, returning Buck Buchanan Award finalist, and a sack machine out of Kalispell Glacier. Others, though, suggested maybe Robbie Houck would get the jersey. Robbie was born in Montana. He lists his hometown on the UM website as Missoula, Montana. But it would have been different for Robbie Houck to receive the uh, 37 jersey because he did not go to high school in Montana. He went to high school in San Diego while Bobby was a a coach there at San Diego State. Maybe even had a a year of high school, maybe early on uh, in Las Vegas. And uh, he also didn't start his career at Montana. Not that that's... I mean, Patrick O'Connell didn't either. People forget that. But Patrick O'Connell um, started his career at the University of Mary as a baseball player <laughs> and before then eventually walking on to the Grizz. But there's several options for this. But it goes from a guy from Townsend to a guy from Helena, just about 30 miles apart. Trevor Wellnell, who's Marcus Wellnell's little brother, he had a great tweet suggesting that uh, these guys had played together or against each other at least in Little League years and years ago, because Townsend really is just, you know, a little bit away from um, from Helena. But, Andrew, what did you think of this? Uh, did you have any, any I don't want to say inkling, but did you have any leanings on who might be 37 and did that match up? Were you surprised when, when Marcus Wellnell got it? Um, I think I was a little bit surprised just because I had the – the base view that Patrick O'Connell was the best returning player on the defense for Montana, but I don't know really anything about the relationships between those guys. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. For sure. Um, there, yeah. And, and I, I don't want this to seem as if there's an analysis here where we're saying that Jace Lewis and Marcus Wellnell are, are somehow like better friends than anybody else, any other combination. I do think, though... This is coming from me. This is just my opinion. As somebody that's lived on and off in Missoula since 1993, you know, I mean, I lived here straight through from 93 to 2009, moved away for a while, been back since 2017, so spent most of my life here in Missoula, been to uh, numerous 
Grizz games, followed the Grizz. I mean, obviously, I do this for a living. But I thought the tradition was better when there was sort of an un, an, an unwritten but understood part of the rule where the jersey was passed down to a young defensive player from Montana, and you would get it when you're like a freshman or a sophomore and then wear it for several years. Interesting. The reason that they went away from that is because Cissé Pitcher, who got it from Andy Pedic, the great defensive end from Anaconda, he got it coming out of a great freshman year. Then he tore his shoulder, and he had to become like a spot pass rusher after that. He still had a great career. Probably had 20 sacks, uh, and, but he couldn't be an every-down type guy. And it was a little bit of a pressure on him because you're like, well, why doesn't number 37 start? And it's like, well, he kind of has to fill this role because he's on a pitch count. And then it got worse when Carson Bender, who's a big defensive tackle from Deer Lodge, he was sort of in the midst of some bad blood between Weaver State and Montana where there was some cheap shots on the line that's been sort of well chronicled but never never truly admitted to or confirmed. But there was definitely an eye-for-an-eye eye situation where there were some cheap shots on the line that resulted in some torn ACLs, one of whom was Carson Bender. And that happened when he was a young player. And he ended up, I don't even know if he actually finished his career. I can't remember. But I, I'm leaning toward that he had to retire early because his injury was so bad. And since then, it was kind of like, well, and I'm not saying the university was pushing this or anything, but it just seemed like within the program, then it went to what you just exactly described. Mostly, it was the best, most productive senior player from Montana. I think it loses a little bit of the luster, though, because part of the thing of 37 is the Tim Houck, the tiny little guy who flies around. And... uh so then when it was bestowed upon, you know, just dominant guys like Zach Wagaman and Jordan Tripp, and if O'Connell would have got it, that would have been him as well. I don't know. I, I Like most things, I think that it's a little bit ridiculous how much to do there is about it and the, the pressure that is put on the kid who wears the jersey. If the kid earns the jersey when he's a young player and then by chance does not become like a superstar but is just like a good player... That's fine to me. He earned the jersey, and he's, he encompasses what it's supposed to be about. His his stardom as a player should be secondary, but it seems like that, that for whatever reason, sort of the, the the law of the land and the way that this, this legacy number is determined uh, has has gotten a lot of influence from a priority on picking uh, exactly what you're just saying. That's why that brings me to say this. I love this. I, I love this this story. Patrick O'Connell's an awesome story. I think Marcus Wellnell's an equally good story. He People forget that he signed to, with Jason Seymour. Or he signed with Bob Stitt. He, he signed to the previous coaching staff. If you've ever been to practice or you ever watched them in games, they are harder on Marcus Wellnell than almost any player on the defense. And I think that's because they know how good he is and how good he can be. The thing I, the best thing I can say about Wellnell is he had a breakout season of of uh, last year as a junior. I think that it was perhaps the breakout season of anybody on the Grizz because I think people knew like that O'Connell was was coming that he was going to be a really good player, and Wellnell was a great player, all league player. Yet I still think his upside is even more than it, than it already is. His ability is right now. He can really run. He's phenomenal uh, in pressuring the passer. He's good against the run. He's a sure tackler. He's tough. He's got a knack for finding the football. I've been able to spend time with him personally this summer because he is working for one of our great friends and supporters at this show, Nick Tabor of Westpac Wealth. Marcus interning over there at Westpac with Nick. So I've gotten a chance to see Marcus and, and have lunch with him this summer. 
Incredibly impressive young man. He's, he's quiet in his demeanor, but he's very steady, very disciplined. This guy is, is going to get his MBA before he graduates. Uh, so he's, he's everything you want in a student athlete. And uh, I just think it's cool. I think it's, it's a tip of the cap to him uh, and his parents and the Helena Capital Football Program, the city of Helena, the state of Montana. So uh, always a fun day when this stuff is uh, passed down the line. Want more on number 37? Check out SkylineSportsMT.com. Got a write-up up there. Got some of the tweets uh, from the day from a couple of his teammates embedded in there as well. So go check out uh, SkylineSportsMT.com. Uh, Nuance Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. We didn't even talk about the recruits. Of course we didn't, but we will. And uh, we'll also maybe even have a history lesson as well. That's next. Keep it here. Nuance Now, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. It's funny because I'm I'm 35 now, so a great many of my uh, best friends and people I grew up with and, and you know, relatives and stuff are are married or have been married and uh, have had weddings. So I've had a couple summers where wedding season. I had a, a brunt of summers where wedding season was hectic and constant, and then I've had a couple summers where it hasn't been. But I've been back. Uh, on the wedding swing, so to say. I got two. I had one this last week. I got one this upcoming weekend. But don't worry. We won't have nearly as much drama on this end. I was so concerned at what I was going to wear to this last wedding. Because I was going, I knew the bride and the groom. It's my girlfriend's friends. And uh, I I didn't know what to wear. I wanted to dress to impress. wanted to be looking fly. I, you know, I was worried about it, overthinking it, whatever. Ended up nailing it. You know, fresh to death, looking good. Wasn't too hot. It was, it was, it was great. This one, this upcoming weekend though, is one of my one of my guys for for always since, since freshman year of high school. So I can't wait to hang out with the main man Tommy Brown and can't wait to kick it with all the the old Big Sky buddies. And uh, it's going to be a reunion. But I'm not very stressed out about the the attire because I think this is going to be much more of a a comfort zone for me. Going to be dancing hard. Duan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, SW or, and as well as the uh, the ESPN Montana app. Excuse me. Worst case scenario for my best and worst case scenarios, but uh, we, we didn't do the Bobcat side of this thing. We gave you basically what we think of the Grizz. We think that they're going to be at the worst seven and three going into the rivalry game, and and I think we both agree that the rivalry game will have certainly huge repercussions as it always does. First from an in-state battle perspective, but then on on the Big Sky title and national playoff scene, and uh, so let's go through the Bobcats really quick because I do think that. Um, MSU has some question marks coming into this year as well. They also have a ton of returning talent. I think that the one thing I would say about the – I think that both the Grizz and the Cats return a lot of talented players. I think both the Grizz and the Cats have some defined question marks. I think that the Grizz, some of the question, some of the answers to their questions are guys we haven't seen that much of. The Cats, some of the answers to their questions – are guys that if you've been to practice, you've actually seen a lot of and you know their potential. Like So, for example, the Cats lose Daniel Hardy, Chase Benson, and Amandre Williams on their defensive line. A lot of people listening to this show probably don't know much about Brody Greeby and probably know nothing at all about guys like Sebastian Valdez and Ben Seymour. They're really good. Jeff Choate was a great recruiter. One of the places he was the best recruiting in, though, the defensive line. So they have a ton of dudes. And they brought in a couple guys, too, 
or this new coaching staff. So they have a glut of, of talent there. And so it's actually funny because I think broadly there's big question marks about Montana State, but I actually feel less concerned about MSU's question marks because the guys that are expected to rise up, I, I know, I've seen them. The question I've been getting from everybody is, is, is Tommy Mullock going to be good? And I'm like, yes, I watched him in spring three times. He's very good. He's like legitimately very good in you know, very many ways of playing quarterback. And so, I, you know, I, it's interesting because I think that the hype right now is behind the Grizz, but I do think that the hype behind the Cats, which is very good as well. I mean, just one less vote in the media poll uh, for first place in the league. It's basically almost co-preseason uh, favorites between the Cats and the Grizz. And I know you're kind of on the same thing. You said that to me, Andrew, on the Drivers Spokane. You're like, isn't it kind of ironic that the Cats are strangely underrated going into this thing, even though they're the ones that played the national championship game last year? Yeah, I think they are. I think the their their sort of narrative and their path last year leads to them being underrated because some of their questions are just so far out there. I mean, the, the way that Tommy Mallott developed and burst onto the scene will yep. inevitably lead to questions going into this year. Sure. I think they're still. I think they're still really, really good for for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned. And I actually think that, you know, their questions are really similar to the Grizzlies in a lot of ways, and, and some of their worst case scenarios are really similar to the Grizzlies in a lot of ways in terms of they need some young guys to step up on the offensive line. Yep. Montana State's got also the big worry, uh, sort of the cloud of uncertainty over Isaiah Afonso coming back. That's exactly right. I was going to ask you what you thought of that scenario. And I'll just say it here. I was going to ask you, are you how concerned are you about Afonso? But I think Afonso is certainly a concern. It's not necessarily even his health at the beginning of the year. It's maintaining his health throughout the year. How are they going to do that? Because they didn't do it last year, and the kid's so tough, he just kept playing. But it was not. It was detrimental to his uh, short-term future as a football player. So they, that's a huge spot there on offense. Right, and unlike the Grizz, who sort of really ease into their schedule with those six games off the top, Montana State's conference schedule starts at Eastern Washington versus UC right. Davis. Those are games you might have to ride Isaiah Afonso early in the season, and who knows how that wears on him as you're getting later in the season. And, you right. know, if he... <laughs> Last year, they had a hard time trusting more than Afonso. Brent Vegan, right. you're about to hear from Brent Vegan here in about 10 minutes. Uh, spoiler alert, one of the things he says is we learned our lesson. We can't do it. He, he said it does not matter what uh, if on say if he's 100% or 50% or whatever, we need to spell him more. Another year under his belt for Elijah Elliott, another year, another year of strength. He's a very talented player. I thought he was one of the better freshmen I saw in the league period last year. They also brought in a transfer from San Diego State, supposed to be the big power back. And Lane Sumner is going to be back healthy as well. And people forget, man, Lane Sumner's rushed for 100 yards in a D1 game twice. He's always had to be behind, you know, Logan Jones and all these other guys that have been, I mean, Afonso, of course, been the bell cows for MSU, uh, but Sumner's a good player too. Um, but I think that they know that they, here's the thing, they're going to run the football. Right. Who's going to run the football is the question. Right. And it's one thing to say that in July. For We're sure. still in July. And it's another thing to say it on September 24th yeah. when you're down at halftime against Eastern Washington and you haven't, you know, you're down, you've scored seven points in the first half and you need to come out and make something happen in the second half. Here's what I think is going to happen as well, though. I think Tommy Watts going to be the day one starter. I think he's going to be at, at the least a leader of this team and maybe even a captain of this team. I think he's going to play quarterback. I also think he's not going to play quarterback. 
I think they're going to play a lot of guys at quarterback. I think they're going to play at least three guys at quarterback. I think they're going to play Tommy Watt at quarterback. They're going to play Sean Chambers at quarterback. I think they're going to play Jordan Reed at quarterback. And I think that Tommy Watt's going to play not quarterback in games when those guys are playing quarterback. I think Tommy Watt is going to get some carries, Troy Anderson style, not as the guy under center. I think he's going to, he's going to get the ball in some form or fashion in ways outside of it. Okay, so I think we're, we agree 2-1 and one in the non-conference, right? Right. Home wins over McNeese State, Moorhead State, a loss at Oregon State. Let's call the Eastern Washington UC Davis a coin flip, right? Let's just say one and one out of those two games. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I've talked about, uh, you know, I've pointed out, we just pointed it out. That's a huge, huge game for Eastern Washington. I know it's yeah. their third or fourth game of the season. That's a game Eastern Washington almost has to win if they want to have a shot at the playoffs. So you're one and one in, uh, in league play. You got. Idaho State coming to town October 8th, that's a win. You're at Northern Colorado in Greeley the following week, that's a win. October 22nd is the day in the Big Sky Conference because the Grizz go to Sac State and Weber State comes to Bozeman. So we're talking the worst-case scenario. So they play Weber State at home and at Northern Arizona the next week. So I think that worst-case scenario is you lose those both of those games. Um, Likely scenario is you split those two games. And best-case scenario, obviously, is that you win those two games. But let's say that worst-case scenario plays out, uh, then you're still uh, – th- then you're 3-3 three and three in league going into the last two games of the year. You're going to win at Cal Poly 4-3. and three. You only got the two non-conference wins. So you're, Huge sit- game. you're sitting there at 6-3 and three going into the, the Bobcat Grizzly game. And uh, Six and four. I guess six and four, excuse me. Yeah. That's right, right, because you'd have the Oregon State loss as well, right. Uh and then it, I mean, then it's a win and get in and, and probably lose and don't get in scenario. Um, but I, I think that they'll be a, at least one game better than that. And, and I actually think, I, I think that on paper right now, it looks like a coin flip game at Eastern Washington to start conference play. I don't think it will be, though, because the, the, the two things is I think Eastern Washington is not going to be quite as good this year. But also, they're going to do the same stuff. And what is Montana State going to be able to do really well? Defend the pass. They have a great secondary. I mean, I think the best secondaries in the league in no particular order are Montana, Montana State, and Weber State. I think those are the three that have the, the contention to be you know, truly locked down. I actually think if the Grizz, if all their corner depth hit, they're going to have the best corner group in the league for sure. Uh, but the Cats have some – I mean, I think Simeon Woodard is one of the most underrated players in the conference at corner for the Cats. So they match up well with Eastern Washington, I guess is what I'm saying. And I also don't think they're going to lose a night game uh, to UC Davis. And so then even if you do have your worst-case scenario where you lose a home to Weber and fall at Northern Arizona, you're two games better than that. And, you know, then you're 8-2 you're and two or 7-3 and three going in the Cat Grizz game. And now it's for, you know, potentially a seed. And certainly you're going to make the playoffs either way. Yeah, I actually agree with you. And real quick, because we got to get out here, but I think their their scenario is is really similar to Montana's. I think going into that final game, I think the the break even point is the height of a bell curve, as you would for Montana, is probably one league loss. And I can see a scenario where Montana is undefeated going into that game, and I can pretty easily see a scenario where Montana has two conference losses going into that game. I think for Mon- Montana State, it's pretty similar. you got to count the Oregon State loss. Yeah. But I think the, the peak of the bell curve, the most likely scenario for them in conference, is probably one conference loss going into the Mo- that Montana game. The only issue is I think with them there's a lot more downside risk. I don't see Montana having three conference losses. As we just talked through it, I could see probably 
you know, a, a possible scenario where Montana State has, has three conference losses going into that game. Nuanas Dow, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. A text from a loyal listener. They say uh, Montana State will smash Eastern Washington on September 24th in Cheney. I tend to think that Montana State will actually be a uh, – I'm not saying a betting favorite, a severe betting favorite, a high betting favorite, but I do think that they are uh, – they do have the upper hand in that matchup. But uh, we will see uh, – in short order. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. There's an underrated part about what Brent Vegan's done at Montana State. We'll also hear from the Bobcat head coach and we'll hear from Montana head coach Bobby Houck. ESPN Roundtable, Cat Grizz, Grizz Cat, Big Sky Kickoff Edition next. Keep it right here. Nuana's now. Hour number two coming at you on ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.